All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 269 of the DFO Rundown. Nice. Brought to you by Botano. .ca. The game starts now. Play today, of course, a heavy slate. Thursday nights, baby. We got perfect timing for the uh, the pod every Thursday because there's a host of games coming up tonight and, of course, on the weekend. And all of you uh, NFLers, Frank's Eagles, uh, Tyler's Bills, the Chiefs, and the Dolphins when it's going to be pretty chilly in Kansas City. Lots of games to play on. Uh, if I'm picking an upset, I know it's not technically an upset, but I'm taking Houston. I like the C.J. Stroud story, so uh, check it out at Botano.com. CA. I'm Jason Greger. He's Frank Saravalli. Frankie, how you doing? I'm good. I, I, before we got a lot to get to this whole cutter Gauthier thing, what happened with Kevin Hayes, Jamie Drysdale, the trade, uh, Corey Perry, a million things going on, but I need some life advice. Okay. I want to know what you would have done in this situation. So we had a massive, uh, storm here in Philly earlier this week. We got four inches of rain and it was like 50 plus mile an hour winds for a while. And so at some point, uh, in our backyard, we noticed that our trampoline had just straight up vanished. And I was like, Oh God, like, I don't like, where did it go? And so <laughs> we saw at some point, uh, in the, in, you know, before going to bed that in our like neighborhood Facebook page, that the exact same trampoline we have, someone posted a picture and was like, Hey, you know, someone's trampoline is on our street and it was like five blocks over. 
and it was literally the same color. And like one of the comments was like, oh my God, we were so scared when it hit our house. And I said to Megan, I was like, my wife, hey, uh, speak of this to no one. Like, I don't know what kind of damage this thing did. I am definitely not going out there five blocks away and trying to carry this damn trampoline home. It's massive. It's huge. So I'm like, let's just pretend that this never happened. In case anyone ever asks, we never had a trampoline. And I know, absolute, somebody's listening to this thinking, what a scumbag neighbor this guy is. But what would you have done in this case? Well, first of all, I probably wouldn't have announced it on my national pod because now everybody knows, uh, first of all. Number two, I just would have went out. listens to hockey here. It's good. I I would have went out, you know, got somebody and grabbed it and just walked it home and no one would know who you were. Like, no one else was going to be outside. So you could Walk it home? Do you know how far that is? Uh, It's it's like, it's like, it's, it's a few hundred pounds. It's not, yeah. it's just well, aerodynamic right. because wind goes through it and it was lifted up. No, I Who the hell's walking this five blocks over? Well, what, what, put a, put a, put a tow rope on and just drag it down the street like Costanza well, with the trophy. Okay. So what happens no, if, but I'll, uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a true story, Frank. This is a very true story. <laughs> so, do you know the basketball nets that have the sand in the bottom? Yep. Right, that you have in your front yard. Mm-hmm. So my brother moved, and it was probably he moved in town from Beaumont, and it was probably I want to say a mile and a half of a ring road up from one place to the new place. They move everything. They have the big moving truck. Boom, he get there. He goes back to make sure everything's there, and he realizes that he forgot the basketball net. I so my brother it. decides that he's going to do the modern day Jesus Christ, and he has the net on his shoulder, and you know how it has the wheels on it a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. He pulls that thing, and there's like a ring road that's like a main road. He pulls the thing. One of the wheels busts off, and he's stubborn as a mule. So he gets that thing all the way to about a block from his house. And now he's dead tired. He stops on the corner, and he lays on the grass and falls asleep in the middle of the afternoon. Come on. The, the neighbor, the person there calls the police, say, excuse me, uh, there's some guy sleeping on my lawn. And the, the greatest part was his, his boys at the time, Noah and Liam. And so I think they were probably, I think, 19 and 17 at the time. And what, Liam's driving home. And as he turns the corner, he's like, is that dad sleeping on the lawn? Oh, my God. So he goes home, he wake him up. And then he has to finish pulling that thing home. And they're like, I don't know how the hell he moved it. But he did it. So, Frank, you could have moved it because those things are heavier than a trampoline. Like, I got, does your trampoline have the big safety net on it? Yeah, that's the thing. It yeah. makes it really complicated. So, I was really more concerned about like if this thing damaged someone's car or house, and and I'm I'm dragging it through the street. Someone's like, "You gotta pay me," and I'm like, nah, "I don't know what you're talking about." Sorry. Yeah, we well, could just say I'm doing a good here. I'm taking it. They would. How would they know it's yours? But yeah, I probably. Uh, so I would have went and got it because if the if it was so rainy out, very few people are going to be outside looking out their window, right? Or do it at night. I do it at oh, once it's dark man. out. Just go get it. Get two of your neighbors. Say, buddy, we'll get a flat of beer between three guys. You could drag it pretty easily. Yeah, we could. Yeah. So it ended up working out. the The long story long is my next door neighbor knocked on my door yesterday and was like, "Hey." <laughs> He's like, I think your trampoline's in my yard. And so it straight up went over the fence. Oh, so and they, it wasn't someone yours. else must have had the same one that they okay. posted on. Like, same color, same size, same net, same everything. Thankfully, it wasn't me. But my neighbor was like, hey, uh, 
I used to have one trampoline. Now I have two. Is this yours? And I was like, yeah, let me come get that real quick. <laughs> God, oh, there you go. So it didn't do, you know, it's funny though, in my instructions, cause I put ours in the backyard and my neighbor was like, Hey, make sure that you tie it down. Because- I had some stakes in it, but the thing is we move it from time to time so that the grass continues to grow underneath. Oh, yeah. And, and um, yeah. And I, 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 either I didn't or the, you know, whoever cuts my lawn didn't. So yeah, that's whoa, right, whoa, whoa. Tyler. I don't, I don't cut my lawn. I was just going to say, you don't cut your lawn. You cut your lawn. Well, first of all, I have fake turf in my front yard, so I only have a backyard. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The turf's unbelievable, but uh, no, I just like shoveling today, Frank, it is minus 27 Celsius, which is minus 19 Fahrenheit. If my math is correct, I'm pretty sure it is. It's pretty chilly this morning. Uh, my son had to go to a track camp right now, a track club, I should say, not a camp. And uh, there, because I hate driving over snow on my vehicle, because then all it does is it packs it down into the driveway. I hate yeah, it. I yeah, that sucks. So now I'm up even earlier and uh, I'm sweating when I got home because it's cold out, but I got to bundle up. Otherwise, you're freezing. And uh, and then so I always try to do a few of this, you know, the neighbor sidewalks, at least in the front, just to be a nice neighbor. And uh, plus, I always like being the first guy in the block. When people come out, they're like, that son of a bitch. It's already snow. Because to me, I feel guilty when the other guy's sidewalk is shoveled and mine isn't. So I like to do it first thing so I never drive over it. I yeah, never, I, I would never pet anyone to cut my lawn or shovel my walk until I'm a senior citizen. Well, then not, I, think not, I would shovel, of course. But I have way more than an acre. And oh. the time the time to do it is they charge me 58 bucks. They they cut it, they clean it, they sweep everything up. Like 58 bucks, like you can't even, it's not even worth your, by the time you buy the equipment and do it with your time, it's not even worth it. Get the sit down more just for the enjoyment of it, buddy. It's unreal. Why, what, what, what part of, of being out there in the dead nuts of summer while you finally get some time off from work, what part of that is enjoyable? And by the way, what do I do when like I'm traveling for the weeks in June that I am for the Stanley cup final or the draft or free agency? Like that, that, that blows. How often are you mowing your lawn? Like once every two weeks? No, no. You got to mow that thing once a week. We get so much rain here, man. If not, you're double cutting it. So you're, okay. So you're paying like 200 bucks a month. Yeah. All right. I mean, how many months? What would you pay for a sit down mower? A few thousand bucks. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, over 10 years time, but it's, see, I don't know. I grew up on a farm, man. Like when I was old enough to be able to to drive our little, uh, uh, Massey Ferguson sit down more. I thought it was like the greatest time of my life. Cause I got to drive something. And uh, yeah. so maybe it's, you know, I love mowing the lawn, but we had like, dude, we had like three acres of lawn at the farm. Like you're out there for, it was like a few hour job. Mm. Well, so. there were a lot of lawns mowed this week in the NHL. <laughs> Hi, Oh yes. Um, you know, first of all, you, you don't see a lot of like, I was thinking about this now, the difference is, you know, neither one of these guys is as proven yet as Hosa and Heatley. But that was a lot. Like when you think of trades of two, you know, a number five for a number six pick, everybody thinks they're both good players. You don't see it very often, right? Um, so, A, I like that. It causes a lot of excitement. Um, to me, unfortunately, it caused a lot of lunacy in Philadelphia. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm always kind of surprised when reporters take it personally when someone gets traded from their team. 
And uh, I don't, I don't think that's what it was. So wh- where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the Kevin Hayes thing? Do you want to start? With yeah, let's, well, let's start. With the, his, his the reason I want to start with the Kevin Hayes thing is because the Kevin Hayes reporting it, and, and people will say, well, death threats, like, I'm sorry, it's sport. You, you've got to be, you got to be smart enough to word stuff in a way that you know that the lunatics aren't going to take it verbatim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think the bottom line here is that Kevin Hayes, in my opinion, and based on the reporting I've done, didn't have any fingerprints on this at all. And I think part of the backstory here was the Flyers had asked Kevin Hayes, you know, at at the time when he was drafted, again, different regime, to connect with Cutter Gauthier. Kevin Hayes went to Boston College. Cutter Gauthier goes to Boston College. You know, this is a perfect guy for you to sort of get to know in the NHL. They talked three times total. And at no point was there, you know, Kevin Hayes, you know, sort of supposedly poisoning the well here for Cutter Gauthier and his time in Philly. So that part, um, inaccurate. I could see how someone might, you know, sort of make the connection or want to make the connection. And if that's the case, or if that's the line that you want to draw to try and connect the dots, you know, probably should have been managed in a better way or messaged, I should say, in a better way. Oh, 100%. All right. And so, so there's that number one. So, you know, Hayes came out, Goche came out, and, you know, and then John Tortorella came out. Yes. Right. John Tortorella said, I, hey, I, said, I said yesterday. So we had, uh, it's like cats living with dogs, John Tortorella coming to the aid of Kevin Hayes. What's next? It's unbelievable like, to think of the disconnect that Kevin Hayes and John Tortorella had to see John Tortorella come out yesterday and say that I, my, I nearly fell off my chair. Well, when you hear Tort, now maybe you'd have more, and Tort says, hey, Kevin and I didn't see hockey the same way. That doesn't mean he's a bad human, right? Or did they not, like, was this No, I don't think that it was, it, was, it, was, it was super personal, but I, I certainly don't think that there was any, any love loss there in terms of... Yeah. I mean, look at the trade that the Flyers made. The Flyers made a decision that they needed to retain half of Kevin Hayes' salary and move him on for next to nothing because they needed to get him out of there because of what had transpired. Yeah, and it's worked for them, and it's worked for Hayes. It's actually worked out for both. Yeah, and that that's that's great. Um, but now let's spin it forward and see what happens potentially with Kevin Hayes at this deadline because – He's played, if you watch his games and watch really closely, is he's played really well the last number of weeks. He's on track for essentially 20 goals and 40 points. And what if the St. Louis Blues, this is a side tangent, what if they retain 50% on Hayes and knock him down to like a 1.75 million bucks? Oh, even if they retain 20%, it becomes pretty valuable, right? Like Kevin he, Hayes he's is a lot a more fourth. than the sixth round pick that the Blues gave up to get him. Dude, I think... What happened with Kevin Hayes, unfortunately, is he's a player that that got overpaid, but he was always a really good, like, look at his career. The guy's been pretty much, you know, Mr. Consistency. Um, he, he had the, uh, you know, the low 31 points in 48 games with the Flyers in 22. If you prorate that to his normal seasons, the guy was, his his career low was 36 points prior to that, right? He had the... Uh, even 31 and 55 when he got hurt in the, in 2021 season, both of those, if you go look at his career, his highs are 54 twice 
And then after that, as low as is 31 in shortened seasons. Like the guy is basically a 42 to 48 point player guaranteed and will score you, you know, at least probably on average 15 and his career high, I think is 25. That's what he is. Like it's pretty consistent player. So any team, yeah. Frank, even, even right now at 3.5, I think the blues could be able to trade him and, and take nothing because he's going to give you really good value at three and a half. Yeah. But imagine if you can get him down to one, seven, five, let's say oh, you're yeah. a team like, I don't know, a team that needs a center Colorado, whoever yep. it might be. Um, yep. Now, the other part of that contract is he was never going to be an 80 point player. No, and when you sign for seven plus million dollars, that's sort of seven. what everyone expects you to be or, or set that as a, as a target. And the other part of it is it's also like an eye test thing because he's such a big guy. And because of the way that he plays, like he's pretty cerebral and deliberate that he he's really defensively conscious and he kills penalties. Like he impacts your team in a lot of different positive ways, but people might look at his style. He's also a bit more of an upright skater. They look at his style and say, this is a guy that doesn't work hard. Look at him. He's not working hard. Yeah. Bigger bodies sometimes. You know what? They, 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 they don't take a lot of quick strides. So yeah, you're right. They, they look like maybe they're not, uh, they're not moving as quick as you would like. So let's go back to, to the Goche and, and the Flyers. And clearly, you know what, uh, you know, they end up having to move him. I look at this trade, Frank, and I like what Keith Jones said. He goes, hey, um, you know, people kept it quiet, you know, insider like you, you know, hadn't heard, or if you did, you didn't say anything um, about it, where, you know, because if, if it gets out there that he's not signing Frank, well, all of a sudden his value is in the ditch, right? Or I don't, I don't lower. agree. You don't agree? No. Okay. Um, well, first, just so some insight for people, I, I had a, a suspicion or thought that something was wrong based on going back to him not showing up at development camp. And when this trade went down, I, I went back through my phone to to try and look through and see with my messages where, you know, where did I go wrong? What have I been missing here? And obviously they did a really impressive job of keeping it quiet. Um, and I just hadn't connected the dot that it had gotten this bad. Like I knew that something was off, but I certainly was under and operating under the assumption that they'd find a way to piece this back together. And I think the flyers themselves held out hope even through the world junior that they could try and piece this together. I mean, the fact that Danny Briere and Keith Jones flew to Sweden to meet with him. Um, this like they wanted to basically just give it one last ditch effort to to make sure that they knew when they were pulling the trigger on this trade that they had done everything they could to try and salvage it. And I think that's the part that still is shocking everyone and surprising everyone is they never got an explanation. When you send two Stanley Cup winners that are part of your development team in John LeClaire and Patrick Sharp to Boston College to see him. And, and after a game, he comes out and sends the coach out and says, hey, you know, appreciate you guys coming, but Cutter doesn't want to talk to you and the Flyers. <laughs> That's a tough spot for everyone. So it's, it's not just the Flyers that kept it quiet. It, it was really the other teams that had been involved 
and you you realize how far back this stretches and you kind of I'm kind of like damn it's it's amazing that I didn't get a clue earlier Pat Verbeek told Cutter Gauthier yesterday or Tuesday that he had flown out to Boston to see him play multiple times this season so just kind of goes to show you like how much Due diligence has gone on. The Flyers said that they talked to somewhere between 18 to 20 teams and interested parties. And the reason it wasn't 31 is because they kind of already had a, an idea of the teams that Gauthier would be willing to sign with. And that's kind of how they had to direct thing is, things is we can only get a return here from a team that knows that they have the ability to sign Gauthier. So let, now let's just look at the trade. Like Jamie Drysdale, this guy's a really good player, right? Uh, you know, you saw him last night in his first appearance for the Flyers. They come from behind after a very odd first period where Montreal only had two shots. Both were goals and neither one was a bad goal. And then the, the Urson doesn't get credited with a save the whole period. It's kind of crazy. But, um, you know, what do you make of the return? It's not just Drysdale. It's also a second rounder, which is likely to be a high second rounder. Yeah, I think it's... It's too early to, this is going to be a trade that we can judge in five years. Oh, for and, sure. And really not before then. Here's my take is, I think Cutter Gauthier is going to be a dominant, dominant force in the NHL. I think he's going to be, I don't want to put a label on him or a, a specific style because I think he's kind of uniquely himself but I think he's going to be a 50 goal scorer in the NHL and a true, you know, with his, with his frame, a dominant force that has creativity and some, you know, some jam and, and a ridiculously hard shot. So I think he's a really special player. I don't want to take anything away from Jamie Drysdale or the flyers, because I think getting him out of Anaheim and putting him in a different environment with some more support especially on the blue line will only help. But I, I take my evaluation from people that have seen him play really closely and, and scouted him and really monitored his game. And they, they think that the ceiling for Jamie Drysdale is a number two defenseman in the league. And someone that can quarterback your power play, he already stepped in, got his first point with the Flyers on the power play yesterday. Um, by the way, A plus, you know, human being and great kid. The Flyers are really excited to have him. But there's a big kind of disparity there between potential franchise centerpiece in Cutter Gauthier and a dominant force. And yeah, it's a really nice piece to have in a in a number two right shot defenseman, but those two things aren't really equal, right? And so it's all about projecting it out. Maybe Drysdale and his game goes to another level and he asserts himself as a, a you know, an authentic number one of the NHL. Maybe the Flyers hit a home run with that second round pick, which will basically be like a late first. But maybe Gochieta, there's no such thing as a stone cold mortal lock prospect. Like some of these guys go sideways. There's a lot to unpack. I just think that's the really tough spot that the Flyers were in. Not only did they get spurned, but 
when you are, you have such a valuable prospect like that, it's really hard to get equal value or perceived equal value in return, let alone the situation that they were in. Yeah, I, I, 50 goal scorer, man, like that is that's a maximum projection for a player for me. Like there's there's only eight guys in the last decade who have scored 50 goals and six of them came in the last two years and four, you know, for the first time last year, like really only dry settling and, and Ovechkin had scored 50 prior to 2022 here in the NHL. So um, 50 goals, man, if Cutter Goche becomes a 50 goal scorer, that's unbelievable. Right. Um you, you become a consistent 40 goal scorer is massive. Like I think a number two defenseman still has high, high value for teams. There's lots of teams like, well, everybody says you need a number one. Sure. But very, very, most teams have a really good number two, right. Uh, when yeah. they win as well. So um, like, you know, you, you can go around the league and look and say like St. Louis, look at their blue line. How many guys were number twos, Tampa Bay. How many number twos that do they have on their team? Vegas. Yeah, I mean, it helps when you have a Victor Hedman and an Alex Petrangelo. Like you're picking 100%. teams that had ones. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And but I'm just saying, like you look at the rest of their blue line, pretty good, right? Like, yeah. Like is Devon, if Devontae's is a number two, he's a pretty damn good number two, right? And you'd say, geez. Now I'm not saying um, that uh, he'll be as good as Devontae's, but um, I, I kind of like this trade for Philly. They obviously have the the second rounder that now their scouting staff has to make uh, make work for them. Um, the benefit also for the Flyers is, and now maybe Frank, I know that you might not agree with this, that, you know, Drysdale helps them right away today. And they are in the, in the, in the uh, heat of a playoff race. Now I know you're saying that that's probably not the best thing for them long-term, but uh, the organization clearly wants to be competitive and, um, Drysdale makes them more competitive today than Goche would. Cause obviously he's not on the team. It really makes, if that, this is the path that they go down, which I expect they will, it makes selling off your UFAs a lot easier now. You're like, hey, look, we improved the team in the here and now. We didn't, you know, cut off the legs from this group that's battled its ass off this year. And, you know, we're in fine shape. I just wonder from a development timeline perspective, does this, is there no net impact for the Flyers in terms of where they ultimately want to get to? Does this set them back based on, you know, where they were projecting and what they were thinking with Cutter Gauthier. Did they write him off a long time ago, knowing that he wasn't going to be here? I feel like there's so many more questions to ask. And one of the big ones that's lingering for me is, and you can second guess anything to death, what if this became public after a near MVP performance for Gauthier at the World Junior? What if they waited like, what if they just got absolutely medieval here and said, you know what? We hold your rights until August 15th, 2026. That's great that you want to turn pro after this college season is over, which he said yesterday uh, with the Ducks media that that's what he's going to do. W what if he just, they made him sit? Well, I think... Outside of the uh, Matt Duchesne time, how often when you, you know, guy sits out, do you end up getting way more for them? Right. And yeah, so it's a good question, but because the, the, I would say, I think Frank for the, for this off season, you're probably right. But then as it gets closer, teams like, well, he's going to be a UFA, you know, like any eight months. And I don't know, maybe they would have, but like, let's say Cutter Goche, you know, now he's not as excited because he's in college again and he doesn't have as good of a season because he's not as motivated because he'd rather be playing pro 
and he doesn't dominate to the level you think. And then teams are like, well, see, look, now he's not as good. Maybe he's peaked. And so the trade value, like there's so many other tangibles. It's if you think if you like the return at the time, I would take it. And that's what they did. And I get it. I yeah. mean, look, it's not all that often to your point that a 21 year old right shot D that can quarterback your power play for the next 10 years becomes available. So I get it. I just, it always makes you wonder what if, and yeah. I think it's a question that people are going to be asking for a long time. What if he stayed? What if, you know, there's a lot of what ifs here that I think this makes it one of the more fascinating trades that we've, and, and developments that we've seen in the last 20 years in the NHL. This yeah, week no, has so, been, it's been bananas. It's totally valid. And what's interesting about, if you look at the history of trades, there's a lot more young defensemen that are traded early in their career who go on to be great for other franchises than there are young forwards. A, because maybe, you know, teams stick with their young forwards because obviously there's more roster spots for them originally, right? But if you look at the amount of D that were traded young and like go back to Chris Pronger, for goodness sakes, like, like there's some really good D men that'd be moved early on and sometimes not for a huge return, Frank. And they just turn out to be excellent. There's more of them than forwards. So the, uh, you know, the, the flyers that you know, there's maybe a better chance that, uh, you know, he turns out better long-term. That's what I like about the trade. Like, I don't think there's a clear loser. I don't think there's a clear winner. I think there's, there's possibilities. Both sides are really happy. They are, as you alluded to very different players and, and what they're going to bring to their team. And, you know, the Anaheim ducks, the one thing they've done, Frank, I know they haven't won lots lately, but man, that organization knows how to draft defensemen. Right, like, look at the list of defensemen that the Ducks have drafted. It's yeah, but that goes back to Bob Murray. Yeah, guess where Bob Murray's working right now? Senior advisor for the Philadelphia really? Flyers. Ah, there you go. I mean, so that, Bob Murray likes him. That's he a pretty a good huge, rubber stamp. He had a huge role, I'm sure, in in helping direct this. You got to you got to get this guy. Yeah. So yeah, that's another. If you're but, a Flyer fan, uh, trust me. There, Frank. I think that's a very good point by you. The, like in the last 15 years, has there been an organization better? And with Bob Murray there, a drafting defenseman, I can't think of one. So if if he's high on this guy, then Flyer fans should be like, okay, I think we've got a pretty good chance here that this will work out for us. What does this mean for Trevor Zegers? Well, I saw your article right away. It's funny, Frank, because the minute the trade came down, I was like. For Beak, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, and I'd said it on my show earlier because we're because when Anaheim played Edmonton, order fans like, what's up with Trevor Zegers? Like he he now he was banged up for sure. But uh, if you look at his season and you know holding out guys is is never great. That it's we can show so many players that it doesn't work out for. It's and, not a holdout know, if you don't have a contract, by the way. Fair enough, but the negotiate, but seven points in twenty games, Frank. Like seven, one goal in twelve to start. Yeah, like it's it's then um, an injury. Yeah. So it's not I, I look at Zegris and I could see how some people wonder if there's more flash than substance. Not saying it's a fair assessment, but that's you know, you hear that now and again, right? Like he's got all the Michigan moves and he's he's a wizard with the puck, but does that equate to a lot of offense? Although he's coming off two sixty point seasons, which is yeah, pretty darn it, good. So that's about my argument is I'm like, hey, if you what more substance do you want from a young player? It's not that there's not substance there. I think the concern from people that watch him closely is that he's more one-dimensional. I think that's a more fair way to put it. He's obviously a really talented kid. I don't think anyone's ever questioned his work ethic or anything like that. I don't know if maturity is a question mark. Probably not. Um, 
I, I think he, here's the best way to explain what I understand is the situation with Trevor Zegers. Uh, I'm not sure, and I think a lot of people that know him better would say that they don't believe that the way Pat Verbeek envisions the Anaheim Ducks playing and their style, that Zegris meshes with that. And look at some of the other pieces that he's put together here. Yeah. Leo Carlson, you've got, you know, that's a 200-foot complete player with size that's got all the ability in the world. Like, that's going to be an unreal pick. Cutter Gauthier, add to the mix. Mason McTavish has some jam. Like, go through the pieces that they have up front, and the thought process is Pat Verbeek isn't a believer in Trevor Zegers and meshing with that style. Then you add in the contract and how that negotiation played out and how frosty it was because not just Trevor Zegers, but Pat Verbeek had grinded Jamie Drysdale to a stump too. I think there was some definitely some lingering discord there that after working his ass off all of last season to come back from injury, that the Ducks and he was apparently ready to play, that the Ducks didn't let Jamie Drysdale get to 10 games played in an accrued season last year. That part hurt. He finished the year with eight. Then he gets to this negotiation, and it's not pretty. He he basically gets the lowest kind of bridge deal you can get. And Zegris, after back-to-back 60-point seasons, he gets ground to a stump. And part of it is that's just... Pat Verbeek's nature. He is like a grinder by nature. So that part, everyone understands. But what does it mean for the long term? Well, the reason he's on my trade board is not just because of the circumstantial part of those two things. It's because sources say that in conversation with teams in the last number of months, Pat Verbeek has basically asked the question, well, what about Trevor Zegers? And has brought his name up. Now, I don't know how you want to classify that. Probably not shopping, more along the lines of exploring, but here's the bottom line. Trevor Zegers is available. And so um, that's the easiest and cleanest way to explain it. And I'm not projecting or predicting that he gets moved by this deadline. I don't even know that that makes much sense. But I think the key is that he's a really big name to watch moving forward because however you or me or anyone else views Trevor Zegers, one-dimensional or not, he still has and does things that so few people on the planet can. And someone somewhere in this league is thinking that they can harness that. Yeah, I'll say that if you're the Ducks and you trade Trevor Zegers, if it's just for a package of draft picks, you've just gone backwards. That's all I'll say. Like, if you're going to trade Trevor Zegras, you better get some NHL player in return. I think getting a package of draft picks and and even even a young prospect just puts you younger and further away. And just all it does is extend your rebuild longer in my eyes. He's a proven NHL player. Like, two-time 60-point player, 
that's that's a legit NHL player that's hard to find. There's not a lot of those guys in the NHL. So, um, you know what? If, if he was on an expiring contract one year from UFA, Frank, a little bit different. But you know, he's under contract. He's a he's and even when his contract's up, he's still an RFA. Like you, you get him for his lots of really good years. So, if you're going to trade him. I, I would think you got to deal him to get a to get a bona fide and like you know a proven NHL player. Now maybe he's not the NHL player isn't his skill, and they're getting a prospect or picks high picks with it. Okay, but you got to get an NHL player. I think just getting draft picks. Uh, like I have seen so many teams in rebuilds, Frank, and they do it every year at the deadline, and I'm always kind of surprised that they give away good veteran proven NHL players for second and third round picks who have like a 15 to the 18% chance of playing. And then the team the next year is like, geez, we really need some more players. I'm like, well, you just had one. You gave it away for a pick that might help you. Like it's, it's always laughable to me. I find it's, it repeats itself all the time. That's why I have a hard time this year, really grouping some teams as hardcore sellers, because for one, I don't know that there's really that much for them to sell. And two, like, what are you possibly going to get in return for some of these guys? Yes, exactly. Right. I saw your trade bait board at uh, dailyfaceoff.com. And, um, you know, obviously Elias Lindholm at number one. And I, I think you'd, you'd probably get a good return uh, for him. Uh, again, with some hope. Uh, Sean Monahan's the guy I've said for a long time. You look at his salary, that's what makes him so appealing. But, man, if he's your third line center, you got a really deep center core, man. He's yep. got what? Yeah. 10 goals, 23 points in 39 games. He's recovered from his injuries. He looks great. He's only a 1.9 million cap hit, which is, you know, by the time the deadline comes, that's a, that's not very much. So, you know, I, I think they're, I think Sean Monahan, because of the return and what he could give you, I actually would have him flopped with Lindholm because I think the value in what it's going to cost you to, to give up to get Lindholm, the return could be almost the same. I, like no I don't chance. think Lindholm is significantly way better. Are you 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 are kidding, right? You don't think that? No, Lindholm I think Lindholm is significantly better, Frank, but I don't, better than Monahan. Like, in a playoff series, like you're talking maybe one extra goal. Like if Lindholm scored you six points and Monahan scored you four, would you look? It's at not it all like, about the production with Lindholm, which is what's missing. Not saying that Monahan's not a complete player, but like we're talking about a guy who got bona fide Selkie votes in Lindholm. And has touched 80 points. Like, yeah, Monahan was in that 30-30 range for a while, but he for years, man. Up until he's a shell shell of that now. Guaranteed 30 goal guy for long. He's a 45 point guy. On his worst year, Lindholm's 55. I'm just there. I think here's the big disparity, and and maybe we could it'd be a lot of fun to debate this out and what it all means. And, and maybe your point is well taken in that over the course of a playoff series, given relative trade acquisition cost, I view Lindholm as a top flight, number two center top flight banging on the door of being a number one. And by number one, I don't mean there are 32 number one centers because there aren't. Pick whatever your number is, wherever you draw your lines and your tiers. Uh, for me, it's it's like 16 or 18 number one centers. The Edmonton Oilers have two. Like some team, it's just that's what, you know, if you have two number two, two number one centers, that's that's different. Um, so my point is Lindholm, I've got up here as a top flight number two. And and I think your assessment is is bang on, and Monahan is 
a really quality, ideal third line center on a contending team. That's a pretty big difference in minutes played and impact in all those things. Point production. Well, look, I'm just going to give you their career numbers. So here's player A, 784 games, 211 goals, 539 points. Player B, 721 games, so fewer games, 229 goals, 503 points. Sean Monahan has four 60-point seasons in his career. Lindholm has three. This year, Lindholm has eight goals and 26 points. This year, Monahan has 11 goals and 24 points. Like, honestly, I don't, I really don't think the gap is as large as some people. And I think Lindholm will have perceived higher value. That's why I'm saying for me, perceived higher value, higher cap hit, even if you retain money, it's a higher cap hit. That uh, I think the, the team that w- when I look at what they're going to give up and what they might get in return for Monaghan, I'd be looking at Sean Monaghan, just me. Okay. I, I'm, I don't think that approach is wrong, but I think saying that the two are close to equal, like, you know, there's some people, you know, say, oh, like there's some recency bias in the way players play. My recency bias is, is in Sean Monaghan has barely been upright prior to this year for the last few. Yeah. So now he's healthy again. Yeah. Healthy, but has, is a way step down from where he was previously when he was healthy. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, but I, I, and that's fair. He's still on pace for like, you know, 48 points. Right. So yeah, 14 points below kind of what he was, but I also think, could he get back to being a 55 point guy again next year? Now that he's healthy, I wouldn't be surprised. Like if, if this time next year, we're like, Hey, gee, Sean Monahan's on pace for 55 points, 58 points. I would, I wouldn't be overly shocked. Okay. I let's watch. I'm not yeah. saying you're wrong. I'm just, I, I just disagree on ceiling. Yeah. Well, it'll be uh, who do you think is the front runner? Like Colorado, obviously would want Lindholm. Who else do you see his team? I Boston. Know, I don't know if the Colorado is willing to pay the price. Like I had an interesting chat yesterday with abs GM, Chris McFarlane, which drops next week on frankly speaking. And look, it's a really good team. I think he acknowledges that. I think he said how aggressive they are at the deadline will kind of become self-evident based on the way that they play. But I think they've got some, like, I think figuring out their goaltending situation is going to be of paramount importance to them because we've talked about it and how they're running Georgiev into the ground, and he admitted that he's concerned. He said in a... In an ideal world, he'd like to have him much closer to 55 games. He's on track for 68. Right now, at the halfway point of the season, he's already made three more starts than anyone else. And that obviously doubles into six more than anyone else. Then you compound, you know, whoever else you might be facing. You're dealing with a guy that's probably not going to be very fresh. And you've sort of admitted to everyone else around the league because of the way that you've ran him out there that. You don't really believe in Ivan Prozvitov. So I'd be really surprised if the Avs don't go out and get a goalie. I'm not saying it's going to cost them a lot of assets, but it may cost them some cap space. And I do think that they're in a spot where they also need to be judicious with their assets. Like they've got Devon Taves locked up and Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon kind of for the foreseeable future, but this summer, they need to pay Miko Rantanen, and that's going to be really expensive. And then the cap money that you've been spending on Gabriel Landeskog, 
on his LTIR money. What if he's back next year? Then you've got to factor that back into the equation. And all those key act, key pieces are expensive. So at some point, you're going to need players contributing on entry-level deals because everyone else is so expensive. And yes, the cap's going up, but you're going to need some of those draft picks to continue to be competitive. And you're also going to need them in case you want to trade them for, for other players later. So I, I think it's a real delicate balance. And, I, and we kind of talked about that exact you know, idea of kind of the Carolina Hurricanes school of thought, which is we want to be competitive every year for the next 10 to 15 years and have an authentic chance to win every year. Or do you kind of push your chips into the middle and go all in? As good as the abs are and as an authentic cup contender as they are right now, I'd be like, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch the West and see how aggressive these teams are going to be knowing that you may well lose in the first round. And it, it, it's not because you're a bad team or, or you have holes. It's just because this playoff is legit. Seven out of eight teams, like really, really good teams in the West. Vegas lost again. Edmonton's eight points back with four games in hand of Vegas. They've gained 10 points in their last uh, uh, 10 games. Uh, they're within four of LA. Yeah, the race in the Pacific is tightening up. Vancouver's, you know, created as some space for themselves uh, over Vegas and LA. And the Winnipeg Jets, Frankie, uh, coming up on a week, baby. Winnipeg celebrating. They've never been in first place this long ever in franchise history. And uh, they look really good. So Colorado, Dallas is obviously a very good team. Oof. They've never been in yeah. first place in the NHL in either iteration of the Jets, 1.0 or 2.0. Well, no. Well, technically Atlanta, their franchise was in first place for one day on November that doesn't 8th. Count. Uh, well, I covered, franchise. Hockey. I covered yeah. hockey in Atlanta. That does <laughs> that whole thing didn't count. Trust me. I never yeah. went to a game there with more than twelve thousand people. Yeah. Wow. They're, they're the prime man. If you have a losing franchise over and over and it's new, you're not getting fans. That's just a fact. Right. Like that look makes at me Vegas. Feel so old, by the way, that I covered games in Atlanta. Oh. Oh, so old that you couldn't even pick up a, you couldn't even pick up your trampoline. So yeah, you know, you said it. Let's, uh, let's bring in uh, Tyler, your Remchuk. What's going on, boys? A uh, fresh edition of Buy or Sell coming your way. Got a couple of things lined up for you guys. Uh, But obviously we got the William Nylander deal. I know we talked about it earlier on, but the next big contract negotiation a lot of people are looking forward to is the Elias Pettersson one. I'm going to say Pettersson gets north of $12.5 million per season. Buy or sell, Frank? I'm going to sell. I I think as impressive as that number sounds, I do think there's a limit and... Maybe if it's an eight-year deal, I could see it going above that, but I'm not entirely sold that he's down for an eight-year deal and not because he's not ready to commit. It's just that I think the term part has been a struggle for him in his own head of, do we do? Do we go four years, five years? Like, Do we kind of stick with the, the plan that some of the other superstars have or do we lock in the full eight? I'd say... If I were counseling a player, I would say take the four or five years. And Jay, you agree, like you can cash in so much more often. But it's not like you're you're not going to be secure in your life financially if you get five times twelve. Like you don't need another contract ever again to be 
a really wealthy individual. And so that part, I'm like, just roll the dice, but I'm always more aggressive and I bet on myself. So. Yeah. No, I, I look at it and I think a five year, it's funny, Frankie, because I, I was looking at his two, you got two years left before his UFA. Right. So, um, cause he's a November birthday and, um, that's when he'll turn 27. So I look at, at him. So they, let's say do you buy three no, years next year is his last year before he's UFA. Are you sure? Yeah. Cause it's oh, yes, based on seasons accrued. Oh, he played seven. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so then you'd buy four years of UFA. Um, I look at, I, I, I'm going to sell too. I think 12.5. I could see him coming in like 12.25, right? Um, 12 million. He's, he's probably going to, he's on pace to get another hundred point season, which is a, which is massive. And, and I've said it before, like David Pasternak is a really good player for a long, long time. And now his was a longer deal, but, and on a longer deal, he got 11.25. And I know people, Oh, the cap's going up. Well, Cap didn't go up that massively. When you look at William Nylander is going to be making, I think, 13.1% of the cap and Pasternak's 12.8, right? So, and Pasternak's a more productive player. So don't tell, wow, the cap went up in one year. Well, for for the seven of the eight years of of, uh, Nylander's contract, he's a higher percentage cap hit and a less productive player. So I... Pedersen is a very special player, man. That, that you know, him and Miller and Besser, I don't know how long they stay as a line, but regardless, he's a really good player. I think five years is what I would look at, and I think he's going to come in around 12. Fair enough. Let's talk about another big pending UFA. Frank had Sam Reinhardt on his latest edition of the Frankly Speaking podcast, which you can get wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, and Sam Reinhardt said his goal is to be back in Florida. Buy or sell on Reinhardt's chances of being back in Florida, Jason. Oh, I, I will buy. I think, I think he wants to be there. I think the franchise wants to be there. Um, he's having an unbelievable season right now. And he, and he had a good year last year. Like he's, he's really found a home in Florida. Um, I, I, I do think for some players, like when you, when you've been a few places and, and you, and when it doesn't feel good and now you get to a place where, man, I'm having success and everything's great. The, the money maybe isn't as important as it is to some other guys. And every, every human being is going to be different, but, like he's still going to get probably nine or 10 million bucks a year. Like it's $10 million a year. My God, you made that one year. You're, you're set for life. You do that for seven or eight years. Are you kidding me? Like uh, it was interesting. I had Ethan Morrow on my show yesterday and he admitted that losing in the Stanley cup final, he still thinks about it. Like it's, he goes, it's got your, especially when you thought you were the better team and you lose in game seven, you don't ever get over that. So it doesn't matter how much money you have. You never get over stuff like that. So you know what? If you're on a team in Florida, it's a good team, right? And Barkov, Kachuk, like they're locked in. They got their core. If I'm Reinhardt, I, it'd be foolish if for him to leave, but where he might get a little bit more money somewhere else. I'm buying. I I don't I don't even see a world in which he leaves. Like yeah. And and the reason why is 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 the tax advantage that Florida has. He's going to end up with more money in Florida than he is anywhere else. Period in terms of what actually goes into his pocket. I pointed this out yesterday that I think is really important for people to take a step back again, even though we've talked about the tax disparity and explain it. What, like I'd be real surprised if Sam Reinhardt comes in at anything more than eight years times 9 million flat for the Panthers. 9 million flat is the equivalent in Florida of 12.3 million in Toronto. That's more than what 
At $9 million, he puts more in his pocket net than William Nylander does. So it's beneficial for the team. The player gets more money. He gets to stay in with a team that has a great chance to win. And you live in Florida. Like, who says no in that equation? Fair. The only surprise to me is that it really seems kind of obvious that that's what the deal should be. You have Reinhardt at nine, Kachuk at nine and a half, and then Barkov at 10. Like, that seems like a pretty solid structure to me in terms of pecking order. And you found a guy in Reinhardt that not only is insanely productive and consistent, this is his third consecutive 30-30 season, and he's going to blow that out of the water since arriving in Florida. But it's not easy, as we talked about on the pod, to play with Barkov, and he explained why, and they've got it going. Why change it? So just get the eight times nine done and move on. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, unless will, is unless him or his agent are sitting there going, "Hey, we don't like the optics of taking nine. Who cares? It's what the net pay, what goes in your pocket is." Also, like if someone would have told Sam Reinhart one year ago that, "Hey, you're going to get a nine million dollar AAV," I would assume he would probably be pretty happy with that number. Uh, third one I got for you guys before we wrap this up: the Toronto Maple Leafs recalled Ilya Samsonov. The other day, I'm going to say problem not solved. Leafs acquire a goalie before the deadline. Buy or sell, Frank? For now, I'm going to sell. Um, And it's not because I'm a believer in Samsonov. It's because I think if Joe Wall is healthy and Martin Jones is playing the way that he is, I truly don't know what piece they could go out and acquire that's going to give them a lot more comfort than the two pieces that they have right now. And you could keep Samsonov as insurance at that point that maybe somehow he could find his game. You could trade his three and a half million bucks. Um, I, I, I think they're better off at this exact moment in time using the resources that they have to go out and get multiple defensemen rather than go out and get a goalie who may or may not help you. Okay. Well, the only goalie... You can think of maybe as Morazic. That's it. Like he ain't going back other- to Toronto. That's not happening. Well, that's my point. So, w- which goalie is it? Right. Um, it's, it's like people talk. Well, Edmonton's got to get a goalie. I'm like, well, who? Right, Morazic maybe. So, I, I would agree wholeheartedly. You have three goalies now in Toronto that you like, and I think they roll the dice with them. I think they they want to. They're going to focus on upgrading their blue line, which in te- in turn can help their their uh, their goaltender because they play even better defense, but give Toronto credit with all this goaltending issues. Their team defense has actually improved quite a bit. Simone Benoit has been great. Yeah. Um, I, I think we'll see Samsonov in net this weekend when they've got a back to back with the abs and wings at home. It just makes sense. You can't continue to run Jones into the ground. Although I'd love to see Hill to be get a shot. And part of the reason why they made the swap sending Hill to be down and Joe and uh, Samsonov back up is because they want, Hill to be to continue playing in case they need him. Yeah. And because uh Samsonoff, they could they could switch him back and forth now. He doesn't have to require waivers again until he's on the roster for 30 days. So mm-hmm. All right, there you go. That is a wrap on this week's edition of Buy or Sell. As always, delivered by DoorDash, where for a limited time, our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code. 
Nation 25. It's getting cold and I am all for staying in on the weekends and ordering in with restaurants, groceries and more delivered right to your door. DoorDash has you covered this winter. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, speaking of cold, Frankie, um, tomorrow oh. we will be even again. Minus 40 Celsius is equivalent to minus 40 Fahrenheit. And uh, that's what it's going to be uh, tomorrow in the uh, Edmonton area and uh, other places. So good times, real good times. It's we've gotten 14 inches of rain here in the last 30 days. If it were any measure of cold, that's like how many feet of snow you guys got flooding issues there. It's been insane. The last 30 days, 14 inches of rain. I I think one inch of rain is equivalent to one foot of snow. You're talking about 200 inches of snow. That's a lot of rain, man. Have you guys had flooding issues in places? God, oh, some yeah. Place. yeah. Yeah. Yikes. I didn't know you guys got that much rain. Yeah, just crazy. Uh, well, I got a trampoline, though, again. Yeah, well, hey, it's that's good. Damage, but it's there. Buddy, the trampoline, like, in the summer here, we always put the uh, put the sprinkler underneath it. The kids, you know, get a little extra bounce. You've got that rain to get the kids bouncing there uh, in the rain, man. They'll have a lot more fun. Looks Showing like a, looks like a trailer a park trampoline right now. There's the nets all screwed up. The poles are bent. The the support legs are all broken. It's we might have to send her to the old dump. You're uh, I would have just your... left her for dead right in the middle of the street. Had that one. Yeah, exactly. Time. You would have. Um, what 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 are you having? What do you think the chances are? You can fix your trampoline or win and get a winner. In the uh, Wendy's Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool. What do you think? The, what's what's a better I, chance? I have a better chance, even as cold as I've been, of performing better in the Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool. This week, again, did not make it to Tuesday. Shameful. Hey. Embarrassing. I need the you old, are I, I need the old uh, mushroom, bacon mushroom portobello melt. I need the bump. I got to get there. I got to get the free uh, the free sandwich. Yeah, so uh, play it. Even if you haven't tried it, go in now. You can still win. Uh, you get on a heater, you could easily win the grand prize of $5,000 cash and all the other uh, weekly prizes as well. As go to dailyfaceoff.com. In the top right corner of the website, you can't miss it. You'll see the uh, the great Wendy's logo, nice red hair, and uh, you can 
enter and play the daily face-off survivor pool brought to you by Wendy's. Uh, we didn't get into it, Frank, but um, quickly in, in 30 seconds to uh, recap, Connor McDavid's talked to the league about, you know, ha- have they jumped the shark on re- offside review? Yes. Well said by McDavid. I'm sure that the league was listening and I'm sure somewhere Gary Bettman was applauding because he has said forever, if you have video review, you open up Pandora's box. And this is exactly what he meant by that a number of years ago when he told the GMs, don't do this. You're going to regret it. So just put a timer on it then for offside to me. I would say if you can't see it in two minutes, you're done. Move on. No one. It's fine. And if it comes out because someone's went ultra, super duper, uber slow motion to find it. Great. That's not what the game is meant for. The the officials can never see it in live time, so don't worry about it. Frankie, have a great weekend. Stay warm, stay dry. Good luck with the trampoline. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard 
cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.